Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Tuesday night's game versus the Knicks. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I am your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, things to keep an eye on moving forward, and more. But before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to go listen to episode 74 of the podcast, an all-mailbag episode that I recorded with Kuka Hill from Locked On Pistons Podcast. I also will have my newest breakdown dropping Wednesday, where I will take a look at the Pistons defense from last week's three-game stretch. That will be dropping on DetroitBadBoys.com. Before we get into the game, I want to put out a poll question. I know this is completely away from basketball, completely away from the Pistons. My family is currently watching Home Alone 3 upstairs, my wife and my three beautiful kids. I would love to know your guys' thoughts. So comment, tweet, DM me, whatever you can do. I want to know what your favorite Home Alone movie is of the three. So like I say my family, they kind of go, I think each one of them has a different favorite. I would love to know what you guys think. But let's get into this game. We're recording immediately after the Pistons. 91-105 loss to the Knicks. Tough game for the Pistons. Luckily, the second half was a lot better than the first. But let's go to the pregame notes. No Dwayne Casey, a non-COVID related personal issue. This is the second time this season we've seen Rex Kalami, an assistant coach, get to be the, the, the head coach, the guy in the first chair. The last Last one was Thursday night, the 113-122 loss to the Pacers. No Killian Hayes tonight, a non-COVID illness. For not having COVID issues, thank goodness, for this team, knock on wood for the Detroit Pistons. They have used a lot of different lineups. I think it was 15 games with the original starting lineup. When I say that, I say Cade, Killian, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart. We've seen this newer lineup since Grant's been out, just I think three or four games. Tonight we got a different one with Corey Joseph. Just a lot of starting lineups through 30 games this season. So again, tonight we saw Joseph, Cade, Hami, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart. Nick ha- Knicks have six players in COVID protocol. Barrett, Quickly, Toppin, Knox, Grimes, McGride, and no Derrick Rose tonight either. So they started Kimball Walker, Fournier, Burks, Randall, and Noel. First quarter, turnovers dominating the offensive end of the floor for the Pistons. Cade specifically was really struggling with his passing. He was able to rein it in, which was really, really good to see from the young rookie. But early on, we saw three, I think I think it was three really, really off-target bad decisions from Cade. And then just turnovers in general, they reined that in as a team as well. I thought Hami was really aggressive, especially early, the ball in his hands. He got some rebounds. Even some of the outlets went to him and he pushed. Um, I'm not sure if that was by design or not because usually Cade's the one bringing in the ball 
up even if Killian Hayes is in the game. But we saw Hami doing that a lot. The Pistons have a 14-9 lead with 424 in the first, and then it's just missed opportunities. Open threes, Isaiah Stewart at the rim. We'll talk about that a lot in my biggest takeaway. And the flow just did not seem to be there, which honestly makes sense again with the lineup that's ever changing. The Knicks answer with a 10-0 run, ended up 15-3 run to end the quarter. And Cade was just not being aggressive enough for me. Again, that's something we'll talk about a little bit later. 17-24 going into the second quarter. Jackson Bucket in a lead breakaway gives Pistons a little life finally with two and a half minutes into the quarter. Could they be continue it after a timeout by the Knicks. They were not able to. Knicks got two buckets from Mitchell Robinson, another guy we'll talk about plenty on this episode. They go on a 4-0 run, and that was kind of the, the story of the second quarter. The Pistons were able to answer with a 4-0 run, right back with the Knicks, and it just kind of went back and forth through that quarter. The Pistons were down 7 to start it. They'll end up down 11 going into the second half as Fournier gets it going a little bit. Pistons again able to answer with Diallo Stills and a Bay, bay 3 Again, life, but Tibbs showing the, the really good coach he is. He calls those timeouts at the perfect time, and both times he called timeouts there in the second quarter. It was an immediate 4-0 run by the Knicks. Really good job coaching by Tibbs in those situations. At half, the Pistons are 35% from the field, 17% from three, only four free throw attempts. They're actually winning the rebounding battle, and while having more turnovers, they actually have more points off turnovers than the Knicks, but still down 11, only 37 points at half. The Knicks immediately start the second half on 11-0 run in less than two minutes, take a 22-point lead. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of Pistons fans turned this game off at this point in the game. As if you follow me on Twitter, I you know tweeted out, quote tweeted something like, I'm all in. I'm not turning these games off. I'm watching every game I get a chance, live on rerun, whatever it is. I would say I've watched 98% of every second of basketball this year from the Pistons, and that's not going to change. The Pistons fight back, and this is why. They get it down to 13 with six minutes to go, and then came those momentum-changing plays that I like to talk about. They get it to 12, give up an offensive rebound and a three, and then another offensive rebound and a two from Julius Randle, and there were two missed reverse layups, I believe, by Cade and maybe by Saban or Corey Joseph. I don't remember which one in that stretch. So those momentum plays really showed up again tonight. The rebounds, some of the costly, timely turnovers, missed shot, and then I thought Fournier made some big shots for the Knicks when they really needed them. Even when they get get the game to nine here late in the third quarter, as Trey Lyles and Saban Lee, of all guys, kind of take this game over late in the quarter, they give up another offensive rebound in a bucket, and they go into the fourth quarter down 11. Momentum and flow continue into the fourth quarter, though, as Trey Lyles and Saban Lee continue to play well. And it's one of those things, they're at least making the Knicks make shots. Now, this wasn't a good Knicks team tonight with everybody they had out. So I wouldn't necessarily say that's a win for this young team, but they did make them compete in the fourth quarter when it looked like early in the third, that was not going to be the case. The Pistons actually cut the lead to five. Five points here in the fourth quarter, but an unforced turnover by Hamad Diallo. They get a stop, but give up an offensive rebound and Fournay with another big shot. I felt like they rolled with the bench just a little too long. I think this is something that happens with the Pistons. That bench unit comes in and they play well, and, and you can almost understand it. Like You almost want to roll with the guys that got you there, but there's a reason those guys are bench guys. There's a reason that a guy like Saban Lee plays 20, 24, two minutes a night. Trey Lyles plays 16 to 20 minutes a night. It's because they can't play those major minutes and be really good players for that amount of time. So I think they rolled with them just a little too long. 
I think it gets the starters out of rhythm. Not that those guys were necessarily great tonight, especially, quite honestly, Cade Cunningham, even though his stat line looks decent when you factor in rebounds and assists. But I do want to respect the fight from Detroit. They just got too far behind. You see this all the time. I I, I told my team this the other day, a few, few games ago, like whenever you – get down by 12, 13 points in the third quarter. Yeah, you have a run in you, but that run just gets you back into the game. And then you almost use up all of your makes, all of your energy just to get back into it. And very rarely do you see a team come all the way back and get over the hump. They were 36% from the field for the game, 24% from three for the game. They did have 15 second half free throw attempts, which was nice to see after only four in the first half. And then ended the game with only 12 turnovers, but again, some timely ones. So as we move into the biggest takeaways, one of the biggest ones that came away from this game had to do with what we saw from our own bigs and what we saw from the Knicks big and Mitchell Robinson. And I think it's going to be a huge difference when whether it's Isaiah Stewart, I'm not going to give up hope on Isaiah Stewart. I'm not you know pushing him to the bench and saying he's going to stay there. It's either going to be an improvement from Isaiah Stewart or when this team gets a new big in the offseason, possibly at the trade deadline, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to finish plays, finish offensive rebounds, dump offs, those type of things in transition, especially from Cade Cunningham. And that's going to make a huge difference when whether it's Isaiah Stewart or a new big starts to finish those things. And I'm going to try to do a highlight or not a highlight, a breakdown of that tomorrow. So make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Or if you're not following on Twitter, please follow on Twitter, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. But I'm going to try to break this down. And there's a play from Evan Fournier that really highlights it. He gets a pretty much a no contest finger roll at the rim. And it's because Mitchell Robinson had just caught a couple lobs and offensive rebounds and he's in the dunker spot and Isaiah Stewart just stays completely attached to him instead of contesting the shot from Fournier and that's what we're talking about that's what having that lob threat that that guy that can really attack the rim and put pressure on the rim that's what it really brings it's not just about them finishing it's about opening up the lane for other players as well the offensive woes kind of come back the last couple of games. Only 91 points tonight. I believe it was 100 points against the Heat, even in the win on Sunday. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, the Knicks are a good defensive team. That's what Tibbs dubbed. I just want to say the Knicks are actually 23rd in defensive rating, 23rd in defensive efficiency. They are 8th in field goal percentage defense, which is really good, but they're 16th in points against, and that's with the pace of play that's 26 in the league. I think what the Knicks really did to the Pistons tonight is they were able to force the Pistons to play their style of game. Koo on Locked on Pistons on the Motor City Hoots podcast, the, the most recent episode, 74, that I talked about earlier, talked about the transition and how much faster this team has been playing, and I just don't think we saw that tonight. I didn't think the transition game was there. We saw it at times. Maybe it's because they weren't making shots. When you're not making shots and you take quick ones and miss, sometimes it's hard to want to continue to do that, but I do think we played at the Knicks pace tonight, that 26th pace of play and not what we've seen from the Pistons, which is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, based on what Koo had looked up, is is top 10 over the last month or so. So the, the Pistons are definitely at least middle of the pack in the NBA, not at the bottom. Sadiq Bey. I want to get excited about Sadiq Bey. I'm encouraged. Obviously, you would much rather see what we've seen like the last three, four games from him than what we were seeing for the 15 or 20 games prior to that. But he may not completely be back just yet. I think it's going to be a work in progress. I think there's going to be some ups and downs. There are going to be some ebb and flow of his game. It was a large, large sample size of him struggling, guys. And it's been a very small sample size of him playing better. And I'm just talking about in terms of making shots. So tonight, 15 points on 5 of 19 from the field. 3 of 13 from 3, 
two or two from the free throw line. And I want to stay there at the free throw line for just a second. I think that's a huge factor for him. We saw him have a good game against the Heat on Sunday. And I think part of that came from he got to the free throw line early. And it's about getting calls. It's about knowing how to draw contact. Right now, I think he just tries to bully his way in there. And then it really just comes down to, are the refs going to call it on the defense? Or like tonight, we saw him get called for an offensive foul. So I think there has to be a little bit more nuance and finesse to his game when he drives it in there. I just don't know. I think it's too quick to say, oh yeah, he's really found it. But it's obviously encouraging. I like that he was stayed aggressive tonight. We'll see how he responds on Thursday back against the Heat. He did have seven rebounds tonight. Another thing, the really bad misses from three by K. That's really interesting to me. I don't have an answer for this. Me and Wes were talking about before the podcast. Like, I'm not comfortable breaking down an NBA player shot. I'm, I'm barely comfortable breaking down my high school player shots. Like, I can give you the basics, you know, like, you know, with my seven-year-old son, I can go to the gym and work on his footwork and his elbow and his follow-through and all of that stuff. Like, I can do the basic, but like, I'm not comfortable breaking down the mechanics and all of that. Hal, if you want to go look, he retweeted or commented on my tweet about this and kind of talked about his upper and lower body being in sync and a couple different things with that. So you can take a look at that and take from it what you will. But I don't really have an answer for it, but it is just, it's interesting. It's something that, that like, again, like it's, it's a takeaway because I don't really know what to make of it tonight. He struggled. I didn't think it was one of his better nights. I talked about the passing struggles early in the game and he ended up with five total turnovers. He was two of 13 from the field. Oh, a two from three, three of three from the free throw line. So again, a guy that you would like to see get to the free throw line more. We haven't seen that as much. I'm doing a breakdown. I'm started working on a breakdown. That'll be my next one at Detroit Bad Boys sometime next week after the holidays. And I'm going to look at about all the different ways he's getting to the lane, all the different ways he's trying to finish in the lane. Cause it's a variety guys. Like it's, he has all sorts of different ways he's trying to finish in the lane, which I love. But I also wonder if maybe that's causing him from just going in there, finding contact and getting to the free throw line because he does have an array of moves and finishes. He did have nine rebounds, which I love. His rebounding may be the biggest impact that he's made in his young career that has surprised me. And he still had eight assists. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his last few games has been like 10 assists, 10 assists, 8 assists. So almost averaging 10 assists over his last three games. And as we know, and it's always highlighted, there's always chances for more with that whenever players start making more shots. The defensive pressure, again, I know I'm self-plugging a lot here and I apologize, but it should be dropping tomorrow if you're listening to this right after the game or today if you're listening Wednesday morning. I'm dropping an article on the Pistons defense from the three games this past weekend, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's the pressure, like, I understand why people would want to pressure and I understand maybe why the coaching staff wants to do that. And I know at times it creates offense, but the on-ball pressure, the trapping, et cetera, I think it, it's almost creating more opportunities for the opposing team's offense than it is for our own offense. I think we should be a little more strategic. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying get rid of it completely. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it at all. I'm not saying it's not part of the future. And if it is part of the future, obviously it's something you want to work on now. All I'm saying is I don't know that this team is built to be successful at it with a large sample size. There's not really a whole lot of rim protection there. Guys like Trey Lyles trying to pressure on the perimeter is not successful. I tweeted out about Saban Lee trying to pressure full court. I could give you three or four highlights 
of him picking the ball up full court and getting beat to the rim right away and either getting called for a foul, giving up an and one, or causing a foul on a, on a teammate. So I do think that's something I would like to see used a little bit more sparingly and strategically. As we move into player of the game, I'm going to give you three guys. This first one, I don't know that people are going to love it, but it's Trey Lyles. He had 13 and five tonight. All 13 came from the 242 mark in the third quarter and after. So whenever this team really went on its run is when he scored his points. And uh, listen, there's plenty of cons with Trey Lyles, or there's one big con for me where I think he tries to do a little bit too much. Tonight, he settled in a little bit. He only took nine shots. He had one really bad one at the end of the third quarter that didn't make sense. But he was a, a, a neutral. He was, I don't know if you say, he was a plus minus zero tonight. Okay, in a game, the Pistons lost by 14. I'm not a plus minus guy. You guys know this, but I think there's times you can take away from it. A guy that is a plus minus zero in a game his team lost by 14 probably means the minutes he was on the floor, at least in some stretch, were productive. And I just want to highlight, like, he must have the best pump fake in the entire NBA because people go for that all the time. The second guy is Hamadou Diallo. He had 10 and 6 with five steals. He had two steals that immediately went for dunks on the other end in about a three or four possession span. He was a little inefficient, 5 of 13. I just like that Hami's taking advantage of his chance to start. I think he's been good in that role. Not great, but good. And I'm excited to see as, as he continues to settle in. He played 33 minutes tonight. That's honestly probably more than what I'd like to see. I don't know what the other options are. You know, Killian Hayes was out. You know, Josh Jackson, again, was a did not play. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe get six or eight of those minutes with the way the, the, the roster currently is. But I like seeing Hamadou Diallo play well. And then the final one is Saban Lee. 16 points, three rebounds, three assists from Saban Lee. He was on 7 of 15 from the field. 1 of 7 from 3 is where he really struggled. Obviously, that put him at 6 of 8 inside the three-point arc, which is really, really nice from Saban Lee. And we'll talk about him in just a second when we get to the plays of the game as well. And he was kind of part of that Trey Lyles run to end the third quarter and to start the fourth quarter. Just two plays of the game tonight. One, 1 minute 30 in the first quarter. Cade held up really, really well, one-on-one versus Julius Randle. And I just really like to see that. You know, he got a mismatch, and not necessarily a matchup you want to see from him and he did a really good job eventually like a double and the triple team came I don't know why but they did but I, I thought that was really nice to see Cade hold up in that situation and I do want to say Hami held up I believe is in the third quarter maybe fourth twice against Julius Randle as well so nice to see those guys hold up against a player that's really good in this league and then the absolute play of the game was the steal and then a Frank Jackson to Saban Lee lob and one with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter that actually cut the lead to five that I talked about earlier so that was a huge play not just like in terms of it was cool to see a steal and and Saban Lee finish a lob play but it actually cut the lead to five and really really gave the chance and an opportunity for the Pistons to be in this game and possibly win the game As I highlighted earlier, they just weren't able to continue the run. Just three things to keep an eye on moving forward from this one. One, Dwayne Casey absences. Again, this is the second one in, what, five or six days here. I am not going to speculate. I say it all the time. I stay in my lane. I have no firsthand knowledge. I communicate with James Edwards and Omari Sankofa quite a bit. And, and I enjoy that. And I won't even ask these guys because even if they know, I wouldn't expect them to tell somebody like me anyway. So I have no inside knowledge. I'm not going to speculate. 
All I'm going to say is I hope everything is okay with Dwayne Casey. I hope everything's okay with his family. I know that was thrown out there on Twitter that maybe he has some family things and he, he didn't want to travel with the team. Whatever it is, I have no idea. Just thoughts and prayers from myself, from Wes, from Motor City Hoops to Dwayne Casey and him personally or his family, whatever it is that's causing him to miss those games. You know it has to be something serious if he's missing you know, an NBA game. There's no way any NBA coach is just going to miss a game if it's not something very important. So just I wanted just to make sure and say that, you know, in terms of basketball, it will be interesting to see how many more games he misses, how it affects the team, how the team responds in those situations. Hamadou Diallo, I know I talked about him a little bit already, but in interesting roles. And again, I'm really sorry, guys, to continue to plug, but I did a little breakdown on him and I highlighted some interesting roles or spots that I'd like to see him play in. One is the dunker spot. I think he could play in that spot and be effective because he is you know, fast twitch, uh, quick twitch. He can get off the ground quick. And he can go up and finish. He can catch a lob. He can finish on the other side of the rim. He can catch an offensive rebound and put back. So I actually like him being in the dunker spot. And he doesn't need to be at the three-point line because he's not shooting it well from there anyway. And then also tonight, we saw him in a pick and roll early in the game. Didn't end up finishing, but that's something I'd like to see a little bit as uh, from him as well is in that pick and roll situation. And I just think those are some interesting ways you could use Hama Diallo, especially when this team doesn't have guys that really excel in those roles. And then Cade's turnovers and aggressiveness. Kind of the nonchalant, careless ones are the ones I want to see eliminated. This was also something talked a lot about on Twitter today, his turnovers in general have been talked a lot about but I do think there's some you can live with like as he just adjusts to what can I get away with what can I not get away with kind of like a rookie quarterback figuring out what you know what tight windows can they fit it into and which one are NFL defensive backs going to be able to get to that college defensive backs weren't I think those ones from Kate are okay where he's testing his limits a little bit but I think we see far too many nonchalant, just kind of like careless ones. And I would really like to see him get rid of those. Some quick thoughts on the other team. It's hard to get a great look at this Knicks team with how shorthanded they are. But I do think Pistons fans are going to like what they saw from Mitchell Robinson. I've seen a little bit of pushback on that. Some people say he's going to cost too much money, injury prone. You know, I even had somebody say that he doesn't play high energy. I thought he played with great energy tonight. Again, I don't watch a ton of Knicks games. I, I do have a friend, Chris LeBron, the off the ball network. I, I'm I reach out to him and just see, you know, is this truly the best game Mitchell Robinson has played this year as he ended the game with 17 points, 14 rebounds, and three blocks? Like, that's a heck of a stat line for Mitchell Robinson on nine shots. But if that's not what you – obviously, that's not what you see every night. But if this is way more than what you the Knicks normally see, then that's interesting. And obviously, the Pistons don't have somebody that really combats what he does well. But the lobs, the putbacks, we saw a hustle play where he blocked Saban Lee and then dove on the floor. I, I liked his game tonight. Again, very, very small one-game sample size. I liked it. You know, who am I to say this? Again, I don't watch the Knicks a lot, but I thought Julius Randle settled for too many jumpers, especially against a Pistons team that doesn't defend the lane well. I was excited to get a look at R.J. Barrett quickly topping. Those guys didn't play tonight. We do play the Knicks again recently. I don't know if those guys will be out of COVID protocol by then or not. And then Kimball Walker, he's a guy, you know, I, I liked, I, I remember, you know, those Big East tournament games, the step back jumper against a pit, I believe it was. So I've always kind of liked Kimball Walker in his game. He still has a little bit of wiggle and dance to his game. I know he doesn't produce at the same level. He ended up with 21 tonight on 21 shots, eight rebounds, five assists. So a solid night from Kimball Walker, hit some big shots, but he did, you know, you can see him just a little wiggle, be able to dance one-on-one against guys. And I did like to see that from him. I know he's had a tough go of it lately. 
a look ahead to Thursday night rematch with the Miami Heat after the 190 win without Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Tyler Hero. I assume we will not see Bam. I think it sounds like January will be the return for Bam Adebayo with the thumb energy injury. Jimmy Butler, it's a tailbone thing with Jimmy Butler. Um, It seems like it's kind of day to day. I tried to do some research, couldn't really figure out a timetable. So I wouldn't expect they bring him back for a game against the Pistons, but who knows? And then Tyler Hero did play tonight. If you're listening to it Tuesday night, last night, if you're listening Wednesday morning, he did play against the Pacers as the Heat beat the Pacers 125-109, and he scored 26 points. In that loss, we saw Max Strew score 24 for the Heat, including four threes. He had four more tonight. Be interesting to see if the Pistons do a better job running him off the three-point line. Duncan Robinson struggled from that game. He missed some big shots in the fourth quarter that allowed that Pistons win to happen. He was 2 of 10 from 3. He had 26 points tonight for the Miami Heat, so they got it going a little bit better offensively than what we saw out of them on Sunday. The Pistons out-rebounded the Heat in that game, so that'll be interesting to watch. And then the biggest thing for me to watch on Thursday night is how the Heat defend Cade Cunningham. After trapping him all over the court, every ball screen, handoff, everything, the Heat were trapping Cade Cunningham. He ended up with 10 assists, only 4 field goal attempts. Kind of let his teammates do it, and then teammates were able to step up again not a crazy scoring output but enough to get the win it'll be interesting to see if the Miami Heat do the same thing to cut Kate Cunningham on Thursday and as Wes has tried to tell me you know Eric Spolster is a great coach you know so you know he's going to want revenge he's going to want to get back to back at the Pistons after giving up that loss on Sunday so you have to imagine that he's going to have his team ready to play And as I bring up Wes, I want to make sure I thank him as I always do. He's the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast. He takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. He ran the mailbag episode that dropped on Tuesday. And I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us, the amount of support we are getting right now. Motor City Hoops will be hopefully be back on Thursday night with another instant recap episode after that game versus the Heat. My family and I will be at the in-laws for Christmas, but as long as I can find a place to set up and record and the technology cooperates, I plan on doing that instant recap episode. The next weekly episode will be on Tuesday, where we will be joined by Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, Omari Sankofa. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.